0: I night. Good night. Good night. Everybody and thanks for joining us on the Drunken UX Podcast this evening on episode number this morning this afternoon for all I know uh, depending on where you are late night this is episode number fifty seven and we are going to be talking about custom post types in WordPress along with the Pods framework plugin that uh, is brought to you so lovingly by developer and and good friend of the show although I just met him Scott Clark I am your host Michael Feenan
1: I'm other other host. Aaron Hill, how Hi, are you, Michael?
0: I am not too bad. It's uh, still a little cold here, but we're about to get into the nice weather. Maybe I'll go mm-hmm. outside and record an episode one of these nights, uh, sit out in my like <laughs> yeah, gazebo, and that would be fun. It's ambiance noise or something. Uh, yeah, right on. Well, okay, so there's there's an idea. Maybe we'll get some mint juleps and uh, sit yeah, out on the right porch. On. And... All right, summer sorted. Folks, <laughs> if you are enjoying the Drunken UX podcast, be sure to run by our sponsors over at New Cloud. You can check them out at newcloud.com slash drunken if you have any kind of mapping needs. Interactive map uh, uh, system uh, is, is what they have or illustration services or other things there. Go uh, go check them out. This evening, you can find us in social places. Social places? Social on places. On the interwebs?
1: Like Twitter and Facebook.com Dot slash drunken UX. Or instagiggles.com slash drunken podcast. Or come talk with us and our guests, uh drunkennewx.com slash slack
0: to sign up. You don't really sign up. You just go there and it says, Hey, yeah, you, you just, have a Slack account sign and go in? This evening, uh, you'll like this, Aaron. Um, my drink for this evening is the Balvenie 14-year Caribbean One cask. Drink. Ooh. My my Ooh, nice that sweet good. boy. Um God, I love this bottle, and I don't get it often enough. It's actually a little hard to find in this area, so when I huh. get the chance to grab one, I usually do.
1: What's the Caribbean flavor in that?
0: So it's finished, It's I believe it's aged 12 years, um, and then the final two years it's finished in Caribbean rum casks. Mm. You get a, a really nice uh, sweet note kind of on the mm-hmm. tail end of it. If you've had one of my other favorites, the Glenfiddich 21, the Grand Reserva, mm-hmm. that's a similar – it's a 21-year that is also finished in rum casks. Okay. But it's got that same – that brown sugar flavor really comes yeah. through on it in a really nice way. Cool. I'll have to try that. I I need
1: to get a uh, – my the one from Parks and Rec.
0: Oh, the, the Lagavulin? Yeah,
1: Lagavulin. Yeah. My Lagavulin's almost gone, so I got I was wanted to get another Balvenie. But I really like the Double Wood, but
0: I'll try that one if I can find it. Uh, I w- yeah, if you can find the Caribbean caskets, uh, I know you've said before you like Balvenie. So mm-hmm. oh, I know what that is. I can tell if it's just from the neck four roses. Uh,
1: yeah, I got so I got um some four roses Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Um the uh, the description was saying that it had like some like light vanilla spicy notes, which it does. So I mixed it um with some cherry vanilla coke. It's actually really good. Like they go well together. Hmm. It's just it's a slightly different bourbon flavor. Yeah. Um, I, I tried it with um I tried orange vanilla coke and cherry vanilla coke and just regular cherry. And it was pretty good with all three. The orange vanilla was odd. But um the but the cherry ones were both nice compliments. I feel like
0: that would probably be odd with just about any whiskey <laughs> yeah. at that point.
1: <laughs> Scott, you got anything? You drinking something?
2: Oh, I do. Um, actually, it's, uh, it's a vintage um, cream soda. Oh. From <laughs> oh, a company wait, wait, wait. from the 1800s, uh, Boylan. Um, cool. I actually was in New York one time and I, I passed by the, the Boylan factory a long time ago before I even had any tried any of their stuff, and it's actually really good. I'm not going nice. to lie.
0: I kind of love cream soda. Yeah, that's good stuff. So there's an article over at dizine.com. So the, the title of this article, though, caught my eye. It's Indian Designers Dismiss Design School Propaganda as They Decolonize Their Work. Huh. This really was something that I thought, you know, sounded interesting on its face. And I went through and I read the article. I recommend any if you are into design or UX in any capacity, um, this is worth going and reading about. Um, if you do any kind of international work. Huh. We think in terms of UX and design in a very American way, and we teach it in a very American way here in the States at least, and we don't always stop to think a lot about how you know trends and influences and such are different, especially – and the, where I'm going to lean into this is specifically in non-Latin-based alphabets, mm-hmm. cultures with uh, – uh, you know, non-Latin Arabic style letters and numbers, um, because for whatever reason, those cultures evolved very different systems of writing, different systems of communication, um, and they have very distinct. You know, when you think about Indian artwork and architecture, mm-hmm. uh, and Japanese artwork and architecture, uh, Mongolian to you know the Middle East. These areas developed very distinctive uh, design systems as a culture, and huh. we don't give enough, I think, attention to that as designers. So this is it's an it's a very interesting article in that sense, and and this phrase that comes up a lot in it decolonize. They mm-hmm. talk a lot about how you know uh, European and specifically British influences weigh very heavily in an area like India, which was colonized for lack of a better word for a better part of their uh, modern history. Uh, Yeah. But they still have a lot of very distinctly Indian styles and techniques. What makes me really think about this is uh, we design websites for our Japanese offices and I've ran into this exact thing there where we get design cops and we talk about, you know, the, the patterns involved and the things that go into it and I realize that I I'll be talking with our stakeholders about something and they'll say no this is how we want it for our audience and it goes mm. against what I know as a you know somebody who cares about design and UX but it's a very different you know cultural expectation for their website um the
1: article says uh I thought this was neat rural audiences have a completely different visual grammar and dictionary um, take speech balloons in comics, for example. If they're not exposed to the idea of speech balloons, they'll think the speech balloon is an actual object. Yeah. To design for them, you have to develop a symbology based on the visual addiction of that particular area through immersion, interaction, and testing. Which sounds like uh,
0: literally all the stuff we've ever read about usability testing. Right. And <laughs> it goes on right after that to talk about how the way they solved some of those problems was they went out and talked to the farmers. Mm -hmm. like they literally sat down with him and they they did the thing that we always preach which is go talk to your users yeah it's such an interesting and involved topic and quite frankly the article isn't deep enough for me like Mm -hmm. i i want to go out and now find some of the other stuff there's several things mentioned in it that i want to go read now i even think about it from the standpoint of keyboards right when you think about the way we design keyboards um the qwerty keyboard obviously designed for a latin alphabet designed you know to accommodate the english language and even for something like japanese what ends up happening is they've taken the like uh, the hiragana uh, character set which is 46 characters mm-hmm. versus 26 for us and yet they crowbar it into the qwerty layout right like even though we've adapted the hiragana uh character set to the keyboard we're still expecting them to type in a way that is very much a reflection of Mm -hmm. the anglo and eurocentric language stand
1: i would love to see I, i know very very little japanese but i know like a little bit and i would love to see like um the qwerty keyboard was designed for latin alphabets what would a keyboard that was designed specifically for people typing in hiragana
0: there's uh, if you do some uh, googling on it you can search up a kanji keyboard mm-hmm. and yeah and that's a mind bender because kanji there are aren't there like thousands of yeah of four thousand glyphs that ultimately make up kanji um katakana and hiragana are both i think like 46 to 50 characters it's,
1: it's 46 46 total yeah
0: and it's meant to be, you know, more of a phonetic representation of of the word. So there's and there's a bunch of stuff about how that gets translated when it's typed and stuff, and they've got like I, kata to, to kanji translation. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I had a friend who was a who went over to Japan as an exchange student in, in, uh, when I was in high school and he showed the on his Mac it was a, a program where you would you would type the word out phonetically and then it would pop up different
0: suggested kanji right. based on what the spelling is. Open your mind a little bit. Make sure you're always thinking a little bit bigger than maybe you need to. Go check out this article and think about how an international audience impacts the things you build and, and how mm-hmm. your design patterns, especially if they are very you know American-centric or, or, or something like that, think about how international audiences play into that. Um, and go look at some websites from those areas. That's also the uh, thing that will really open your mind up to – the different expectations of those audiences yeah so next up i want to get into custom post types and I thought who better to come on here than probably the the developer of what is arguably the best custom post type plugin uh, for WordPress, Mr. Scott Clark. He is the lead product developer over at Modern Tribe. He's also a the product lead developer for the Pods framework plugin. Scott, thanks for sitting down with us. How are you doing this evening, man? I'm uh, pretty good. I mean, I'm
2: I'm really happy to be here. Um certainly I'm uh not as much of a UX designer as as the people who wrote that amazing article, and just talking about the keyboards <laughs> thing got me like searching on Google for all those different keyboards, and I found a right? five hundred key kanji yeah. keyboard, and I was like, "Holy, <laughs> holy <It's> moly!" nuts. <laughs> like each each of the keys has nine different characters, and uh, and amazing. it's it's wow. I, <laughs> so I, mean, I, I um, it's cool to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'm very happy to be here.
0: So let's. Let's start at the start because that's always the best place when we dive into these things. And when I say WordPress, I think pretty much everybody understands what WordPress is as a content management system and how it exists when you launch it, which is a, you know, a very bland. It's the the 2020 theme. It's, you know, you have posts, you have pages, you have menus and very little else going on the media library. Mm -hmm. But tonight is about custom post types. And so custom post types are a function of WordPress that let you add more. So maybe posts and pages aren't enough. That's the default of what WordPress ships with. When a a page, even though pages are in a different part of WordPress, they are functionally nothing more than a post with a different name. Um, And Mm -hmm. they're presented a little differently, but that's only by convention. You can change the way that stuff is viewed and you could have pages that are exactly like blog posts if you wrote your theme to to act that way. Um, and so when WordPress hit 3.0 um, a decade ago, as a matter of fact, in, in 2010, oh my God. Uh, WordPress finally went, you know, we're we're reaching bigger. People are trying to use WordPress to do a lot of stuff that is not just a blog. Because remember, WordPress started out as just a blogging platform. It mm-hmm. was meant to just post writing um and so in 2010 they finally released the custom post api and this is sort of what opened the doors uh you know so to speak opened the floodgates to what we could really start doing in wordpress cuz prior to that and Scott you you mentioned this name and it it brought uh i'm not gonna say bad memories just interesting memories <laughs> in back um that <laughs> Flutter was one of the really early players kind of in that space to customize stuff and, and get your back in, do things that WordPress wasn't doing. And I, man, I wish I could remember what I was using it for that far back, but I distinctly remember using that Flutter plugin to, to do a lot of that. And that was what we had, right? That was, we, we had these sort of hacky attempts to, to make WordPress be something that it didn't want to be at that point
2: yeah well, a lot of us were writing code and trying to make wordpress organize its its screens better and give our customers a better experience to manage the content so like they'd have uh like podcasts for instance the podcast would just be a category mm-hmm. in their blog posts and yeah. uh and if you want a custom fields well it's, it's there for everyone for all posts And uh, and you have to write all your custom fields out yourself. And there's, I mean, it's still kind of like that now, but... (laughs) meta boxes for every
0: different thing, yeah.
2: But in terms of data architecture, it was really um, very simple and uh, easy to get confused as a customer, someone using the site, um, getting trained to use it, like, oh, what category does it need to be? And then they set the wrong category, because they're, of course, going to set the wrong category.
0: (laughs) Uh, So... It's just bound to have problems. Yeah. Uh, So in a a very abstract sense, what the custom post types allowed you to do was to start setting up these silos that would self-contain different types of content. Right. So thinking about like maybe you wanted to have job postings on your website. Maybe you you have an e-com platform and so you need product listings or like you were just saying, a podcast episode. Um, the the way our website works and the way the feed and everything is generated, podcast episodes for Drunken UX are just a custom post type within our WordPress installation. And so we are
1: secrets, man. Well, it's
0: I it's really not a secret because most people don't and shouldn't ever run a podcast the way we do. <laughs> well, you're gonna get hacked now. I know.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. They're going to put a picture of me up that makes you look silly. <laughs> yeah, because that's not already up there.
0: Those are, are those french fries or are drumsticks in your mouth? I don't remember. <laughs> really? I know it might have well, been popsicle sticks. I think it was popsicle sticks. Not better. Uh, <laughs> so the, the thing is, and I say custom post types let people silo this content. Mm. It was, let's call it a soft silo because the reality is all content in WordPress exists within the WP posts table. And this is just Mm -hmm. a giant table that the only thing that differentiates a blog post from a job posting is just the post type value that's on it. Um, And so this table exists and that's maybe one of the weaknesses still of that system, which is if you've got this huge site where you've got, you know, a thousand jobs posted and 50,000 products posted, you know, it's all going into this same one bucket. And that's something, right, Scott, Pods actually came out and built a feature to help address specifically that, didn't they? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, When we started Pods, it was actually one of the first custom post type plugins uh, before they had the custom post type Hmm. API. Uh, and so that was really cool because we actually stored data in the post table and then we extended it so you can create your own, uh, fields and they would be their own table. So it was its own entirely separate set of content. So it really wasn't a post, but it was (laughs) in a way. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting as we dove into that and try to figure out ways to solve some of those issues in WordPress that have already been solved even at that point in Drupal. Drupal itself, yeah. the other content management system of the day, was um, a behemoth, a giant project, which was hard, much harder to get into and use and, and all that. But they had solved a lot of issues with data storage and, and interfaces and stuff like that, where even WordPress today is still trying to figure out. Um, it's definitely interesting.
0: So, why, what is the disadvantage to having all of this? post type data in one table. And I know like I say you have got a feature in pods that lets you put this into a separate table. Why would somebody do that in one case versus just letting WordPress do it the way they want to do it?
1: I actually have a question about that. It, um so the last time I used WordPress was like 4.0 or 4 point something, And I actually did make I did a site or a theme for somebody that used custom post types. Does it store the custom fields in like a JSON object and a column or is no, it? No, that's, that's it the blocks, <laughs>
2: the, the new block editor. Yeah. yeah the, no, I'm just joking. But yeah, it's, it has its own table uh, just for the post meta uh, and it okay. stores it in key value sy- syntax. So okay. you've got, um, let's say for instance, you have a, a podcast custom post type yeah. and for every podcast you have uh, the guest information, you have like maybe some information about the links maybe some other additional custom fields like runtime and links for the URL for the video or audio or whatever else you might want. Each of those things is an individual meta record. And when you have, I mean, let's say you've had run a a podcast since, um, you know, 100 AD and, you know, Mm -hmm. you're way ahead of the time and uh, you've been recording one every month. And by the time you're almost today, maybe you've got, you know, millions of, of podcasts in your database. And each of those podcasts has 10, maybe 20 up. I've seen cases where there's like 50 or 60 meta values per post. And that, so you have millions of records and you multiply that by the multiplier of post meta, and you've got a humongous table to deal with. And so to answer the question, um, previously asked uh it basically is a question of how much data do you have and is it a problem for you is your site going slow um and also what plugins do you need to integrate with because some plugins um have very specific ways to query data and so where pod Mm -hmm. steps in is we have integrations where we can actually let you store your custom fields in your own custom table it could still be a custom post type, but we just step in and say, hey, don't store this one meta value in, in the post meta table. Why don't you store that in our custom table here? And by the way, you can query it with these other functions if you want, but if you use the WordPress normal stuff, you can still uh, get the data out of the table very easy. So it's it's okay. not too hard to work with, but especially for someone who's um, come from other places from WordPress outside of WordPress world and and, and PHP, maybe database world, you get used to being able to query things in a certain way and being able to use MySQL Mm. indexes to optimize these tables to be insanely fast. (laughs) And when you get to WordPress, it's a shell shock. And so Pods (laughs) just kind of helps make it less difficult to work (laughs) within WordPress uh, and the constraints of it.
1: The reason I ask that is... Like with uh with Postgres, for example. I do a lot of work with Postgres. And um the newer versions of Postgres, you can have a JSON B column and then you can query the key value pieces of that JSON B column as part of a, a query. And I I know that WordPress is still on MySQL slash MariaDB. And I was wondering if they if that database engine had that capability yeah
2: MySQL does have the ability to have json um data sets um there's a column okay. type for that uh i don't know if the version it was introduced is is in the minimum version that wordpress supports okay so that would be probably a problem but also i don't think that they'd switch over to it uh very easily uh, i know we in the past uh, wordpress has just used serialized arrays in PHP, so they serialize oh, okay. it and then they store it in the database like that. Yeah. Um, and but that, that's still Got really it. difficult to query against, and it's all sorts of filled with. And bombs. that's
0: why WordPress has all those helpers, right? All these helper functions for running queries and all of this because mm-hmm. they're try You know, when you do a query posts or a WP query, they're part of what they're trying to do is abstract away the complexity of what that actual database query looks like when you have to start getting into the like you're saying. All of this, the WP post meta is the table where all of this additional information gets stored for these. So if you're querying by title and some abstract field, it's, you know, there's all these, there's joins, there's all this stuff that goes on behind the scenes. But it's certainly, uh, yeah, efficiency becomes <laughs> something of a bottleneck uh, for a big site. Small sites never notice this, but um, certainly at a big site, because that's the thing, right? WordPress. When WordPress was a blog, when all WordPress was was this really cool tool that let you throw, throw up a couple static pages and write your blog posts, they simply didn't need a lot of flexibility. And then folks started coming along, and they said, you know, this thing's really easy to set up. I can run it on any kind of hosting. And with a couple tweaks, I can actually run normal, C- or like a normal website on it, like this was a full-fledged CMS. And that's where... WordPress started saying, you know, maybe we need to open up some pipelines, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. it's it still ships very simply, but you know, by version 3, they were saying, yeah, maybe it's time for us to start accommodating some of these folks because you know, we see some of that future and and what's going to happen. The thing is like and and talking nostalgic, the reality is I Honestly, don't remember the last time I built a WordPress site and didn't need to do a custom post type in it. Hmm. That need is just too large for the most part. And you always run in, if it's not something I'm putting in, it's a plugin that is going to add one. Um, You know, if you use anything that has sliders, um, you shouldn't be, but um, (laughs) you got to have carousel slides. And so those are oftentimes a new post type. Um, you know, the, like I say, the, we use uh, seriously simple podcasting is the plugin that we use to, um, help run Drunken UX. It's not a secret. It's literally a plugin you can go get for free, (sighs) but it creates a custom post type for podcast episodes. Um, it's, you know, there's all of this complexity there that you need to run. Uh, but it's not hard. And that's where all of this stuff starts to come to a head, creating custom post types isn't particularly difficult. Um, Out of the box, it does require coding, and if you're not comfortable with PHP, it can be a little daunting. Um, It all comes back to a function that's called register post type. I'll throw some documentation links in the show notes. Um, But that's sort of the magic sauce that makes a custom post type exist. There are a couple generators I do recommend. If you want to use vanilla code and stick it in your functions.php file, Um, generate wp.com has a really good post generator and wp-hasty.com both of those have uh, interactive web-based generators that you just answer the questions you fill out the form fields and then it generates the php code that you need to stick in uh, your functions file so that you can have uh, whatever custom post types you need there are certainly plugins that will take care of this uh one of the bigger ones is custom post type ui install it turn it on and it just has an interactive visual editor in the back end of wordpress and so what it does is it you you do the exact same thing you would do with those two websites you tell it what kind of post type it is you answer the questions it stores all that information in the database and when wordpress spins up it does all the registering and it just does it in an automated fashion as opposed to running from static code. But on top of all those is why Scott is here tonight, which is the pods plugin, which is in my mind, hands down. It's the plugin I've been using since about 2012, I think is when I first launched with it. Um, I had a gaming website that I was building and I needed, uh, I needed a custom post types, but I also wanted to do front end content submission and, Pods was one of the mm. few plugins that supported that natively um, without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. And so Pods is sort of the big player on the block that takes all of these needs, all of these different features, and has been doing it fantastically for the last 12 years. If it sounds familiar, um, we did bring up Pods back on episode 53, so that would have been the, oh. first, the first episode of the year. Yeah, see, I was like, where have I heard this before? <laughs> That uh, I mentioned there, and our warmer topic for that episode involved um, the news that Automatic was uh, diverting their funding to other projects away from Pods, um, because Pods was getting some support from Automatic at that point in time. And so, if, right. if this sounds familiar, this is the same yes. same platform.
1: I, yeah, I was like, I was like, I, I feel like I've heard about this before, but I couldn't remember where. Only been around when. twelve years, man. <laughs> That was
2: even back two thousand eight when... yeah it's uh it's a good period of time right
1: there <laughs> this this year has been the longest decade ever uh, I will vouch for that
0: <laughs> yes it has um so scott let's let's go back let's go back to twenty uh, eight two thousand eight two thousand ten that area. How did you get started working with pods framework? uh sure well, I had used WordPress off and
2: on, just not really using it, just messing with it uh I built my own custom content management system uh based off of a fork i made from something else and i just like rewrote it um and then i was like i don't like wordpress it's so big and i don't like it and there's all these things i don't need and all that stuff and i got hired for a project um at a company that was an seo company and they needed me to help do some fixes for their customizations with wordpress and i did that and i was like wait this is actually pretty cool and then they're like, Hey, can you build us an SEO automated tool that will help us get stats for our customers about how they're doing and performing and store it and store all these reports in this big app. And so I went looking around seeing how I could build this whole thing. And I proposed, how about we build a new plugin for WordPress and it does this and this and this. And then, uh, my boss was like, Hey, uh, one of my friends just mentioned this one plugin that just came out like last week. <laughs> and I took a look at it. I was like, oh, that's what I was going to say. That's that's the <laughs> one I'm just trying to pitch you. And um, I, it wasn't, I hadn't built that plugin and I didn't know about it at the time, but we had just been thinking about the same thing at the same time. And I was so excited because I was like, great. I mean, ground floor, let me get in this plugin. Oh, this is perfect. As soon as it started clicking, I was like so into it. And I started submitting bug reports and, um, and, and not just for bug reports, I'd start sending him the fixes, and then it started sending him enhancements, and I, I wrote a feature for it, and I wrote more features, and he's like, okay, dude, that, thank you, and then he just brought me in to the team, and then we started collaborating a ton, and riffing off each other on things, and it was just an amazing period of time, and I started working on pods a week after it came out, basically, and uh, ever since, I've just been a huge fan of it, and trying to push it forward, and help other people develop with WordPress, with out all of the headaches of WordPress and, and learning from past mistakes from the past decade that, that that can set them ahead further than they would
0: if they were just to normally just jump into it themselves. Anybody who wants to get into development, you know, this sort of magic sauce is to, well, where do I start? Go find something that interests you and, you know, go find a project that's out there and just start reading about it and Submit that first ticket and learn a little bit more about it and then submit a fix. And it's like it's the perfect way to sort of get yourself hooked into something meaningful if you're just starting out or trying to figure out, you know, how do I build that portfolio? You know, things like that, that there are uh, there – there is a project for anybody out there. Just start helping because they all need volunteers. They Everybody, you know, is looking for a little extra help, even – even if it's writing documentation, you know, there's Please. there's a lot of that, too. <laughs> Please, write documentation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the world needs that so badly. I don't know of a developer who would say no to someone who can write good documentation. That is one of the biggest superpowers a developer or designer uh, can can really, like, wish they had sometimes.
0: Yeah. First and foremost, one of the big advantages to pods is... You take all the coding off the table. You don't have to write PHP functions. You don't have to labor through all the different keys and arguments and all of that that you need. Um, You don't have to write up the custom field support or anything like that. It's all point and click, basically, in the back end. You've got a UI that does pretty much everything. Um, I liken it a little bit to um, advanced custom fields because I think maybe some folks may have a little familiarity with that. ACF is a great plugin. It does mm-hmm. one thing really, really well, I think, which is allow you to add different custom fields to post types. Uh, but it does not itself create the post types. And you don't need ACF if you have pods, because pods already has the support for, I think it's like 18 different field types, right? It's it's like a ridiculous number. There's a lot of field types, but the thing is our field types... Uh, If you look at ACF,
2: they actually have a lot of field types, but in reality, they have a bunch of them that we consider one field type. We have a relationship field, which is like a super, super amazing field type for us, which lets you relate to just about anything. Like it could relate to another post type, a taxonomy, a user, a comment, media, could uh, relate to another table in the database, it could relate to a custom list of information. And um, that's one of the things that kind of sets us apart is the relationships we have um, in our, our plugin are extensive, like you can do a lot of really cool things. And like you mentioned, you don't need to do anything with coding. But if you want to, as a developer, we have like a very extensive API that you can use to write optimized queries, like you can query data and query against relationships. And it does all the joins for you. And it does it in an optimal way. And it has uh, the relationship stored in the table that has an index that's nice and optimized and all the good stuff that a developer would like. But at the same time it also has an interface you can use without coding at all like you just say i want to output my field here and this is how it's going to be and i want it to have a bold tag and then okay cool i've got my content already showing up in my list view on my archive for my posts and yeah. it's done so
1: this might might be a silly question but does it when you make your custom post type does it let you make like a template for that type? if I using the right word?
2: It's not gonna create a template in your theme. However,
1: okay. you can
2: create templates using our template code. We have um a template component, you just turn it on. Okay. And uh, it lets you kind of give an HTML kind of format for what content you want on a detail or an archive list. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually define them separately. And then in your pods configuration, all you do is say, Oh, I want you to automatically insert this on the list view, use this one template on the detail view, use this one template and it'll automatically insert okay. it for you. So you don't have to do it, but you can also leverage pods through the widgets as well as, um, short codes and, um,
1: oh, cool. really
0: easy to, to use and, 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 call up unrelated stuff. Yeah. You've, you've built cool. in your whole, uh, your own template tag language, right? That. You're able, when you set up one of those templates, you just say, I am going to reference my author field here or my, you know, my location address uh, field or whatever, and it'll just spit it out. If you want it to be in a definition list, you just write the HTML for the definition list and leave these variables, these template tags in there, and it'll spit it out when, like you say, the content basically renders for your page.
2: Yeah, and that template view itself, uh, when you go in to edit the template, uh, we have autocomplete, so as you're typing these special tags, it'll say, "Oh, hey, did you mean this?" Like it'll not like a clippy, like mm. annoying thing, but it'll drop down with uh, options that match. So as you start typing a relationship field name, all of a sudden you realize, "Oh, I can output the author's name or the author's favorite color or all this stuff because it's a re- you have a relationship related to another
0: pod, and we know all about that pod and all the fields on it." So, and you can do all this, of course, with vanilla code. That is entirely possible. But it's a whole lot more work in those situations. And,
1: you guys keep talking about vanilla, and it's making me sorry.
0: Uh, drink, drink some more whiskey. Um am trying get, get the vanillas out of that cask. <laughs> mm-hmm. the The reason I say that, because I'm I'm actually especially as I have let's say matured rather than aged as a developer, I have increasingly become vanilla minded. Like I, I now am the kind of person I'm like I'm I don't want to use jQuery for anything. I just want to write JavaScript that just works um and i've gotten that way with php a lot as well like i'm not going to use a plugin for something i'm not going to include tag manager with a tag manager plugin i'm just going to write a quick hook in in wordpress to you know output the html for it but this is one area where i'm like yeah nah. Uh, <laughs> i i like the the quickness and the speed which which ty- even if it's just prototyping some of this stuff out i may go back in and decide I'm going to build an actual template part in my theme for something, but this lets me get in there really quickly, get the post type in there and I can at least do some rapid prototyping with it, see how it looks in space in some occasions. And sometimes it's just like, no, we'll just leave that. It looks good now. One of the other big things, Aaron, you brought this up a few minutes ago about um, Mm -hmm. tags and categories and Pods helps with that as well. So you've got custom post types, you've got custom fields, um, you've got the relational side of things, but you also have support for the custom taxonomies, which I think is Mm -hmm. important to mention because when you start getting into custom post types, inevitably you run into, well, I want this post type to have a different set of categories available to it. I don't want it to use my blogs categories. Um, Good example. Um, sorry, I'm gonna reveal more of our secrets. <laughs> I use a custom taxonomy for guests on our podcast. Oh, that that was that was information that is. I know you're, you're hacked instantly, right there. I'm Jesus. Man. I'm just asking for it here. Um, that lets me though tie it into our speakers uh, tool on the on the uh, episode, so that whenever we have guests on, they are flagged as a speaker in the episode, so that like in iTunes and all of that, they get picked up as an actual speaker. Um, and some other services as well identify that. But also on the webpage, it lists out, you know, who's a speaker on this episode. So if you wanted to see all the episodes that we've had a particular person on, you could click their name and get those episodes because it's just a, it's a category, basically. It's a taxonomy. But I, mean, I think that's something that Just
1: tell people our password, man. Well,
0: um, it's, it's just guest. <laughs> that's all it is.
1: It's, it's Hunter 2. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you have to know the username, too. Come on. <laughs> Admin. <laughs> well, admin yeah but they did not know that
1: <laughs>
0: how give me an idea this is a dumb question but i want to ask it how long from like 2008 i know how version 1 ran until about was it 2013 2014 2000 oh, I want to say 2012 uh oh. was the
2: year we launched the new 2.0 version which totally rewrote the most of the code uh all we had at that point were advanced content types so every content type you added created a new table yeah but the 2.0 rewrite was all about let's let's upgrade our stuff to work with more of the wordpress content types so now you can actually create new custom post types but not just create you can also extend existing ones so like Take a post or a page, now you can extend it and do more features with it. And you can also add custom fields, but you can utilize it in our APIs and everything else. So it's it's really pretty cool, the ability to do that kind of thing. And then we added all the support for custom taxonomies, the same way you can create or extend, extend media. You can extend users and extend comments. But we still have our advanced content types, which is its own table, entirely separate now from post types where... There's the only data you add is in its own table and it's not messing with any of your post data. Um, So that's, sometimes it's a cool thing, but that was the big rewrite we did. And I remember trying to build it all and making it all happen. It was a very big challenge. We had a Kickstarter for to help fund the Big Rewrite. That's right. And, uh, we had, yeah, uh, I do remember that. Yeah, Automatic became a, a sponsor of us uh, at that point as well, um, gave us the money to help us pay for development. Except at the time, I was working a full-time job, and I still am, but uh, I was still kind of landlocked. I couldn't just focus on pod stuff. I needed to bring in someone to help me with UI stuff, and I needed extra PHP help and all this stuff. And It was an interesting period of time, but that was a major, major undertaking. Um, just because WordPress was still growing and it had barely any APIs that we had to all write ourselves for a bunch yeah. of the stuff we wanted to do.
0: The killer feature for me that, that really, especially when it came time for me to get off that old Flutter plugin, um, was the front-end content submission. That was the real yeah. game changer, I think, for Public me. because forms, yeah. Trying to take in user-submitted content for a game. So somebody, it's, uh, it, I know Aaron and Scott can see my bookshelf behind me. I've got all these role-playing books. And so I've got this website that I had built out that people could go in and submit, you know, I I made this creature or I made this piece of equipment or whatever. And so I wanted a way for users of the site to have a page they could go to and submit their creations to it. And at that point in time, that was really hard to do in WordPress because we didn't have the REST API yet. Like that didn't exist at that point in time. So you had to write all your own admin functions and all of this stuff that would go through, take the form data, process it, save it. the The irony of Pods to me is, you know, I'm always wary of like tools that try to do everything because you know it's like one of those things where you either do one thing well or everything you know badly, so to speak. But Pods really came in here and tried to own this space of here's how to create a custom post type and all of the things associated with it and it really it does it better than anybody else. And to say, well, that's hard to pull off in this day and age. Cause the, the tool itself. And if you, if folks go grab it, uh, it's, you can get it right from the, the plugin warehouse at WordPress, install it and start looking through it. There is a ton of stuff in it. Like it's, it is a huge plugin and yet it just works. It just works so smoothly, which is killer. I want to, Talk real quick about sort of how this episode sort of catalyzed together, so to speak. And I I mentioned we we talked about this in episode 53 um, and that uh, Automatic had originally, and as you brought up after the Kickstarter, Automatic stepped in and said, hey, this is cool. Um, We like what it's doing. We think it extends WordPress in a good way, so we're going to support that. And then uh, earlier this year in January, a blog post came out on the Pods blog that said, Hey, Automatic is you know changing their strategy with funding projects. They're going to you know a more Gutenberg-centric funding model for uh, who they're supporting, and unfortunately, that has left Pods somewhat out in the cold. Unfortunately, yeah, well, Automatic
2: is our was one of our our main sponsors for Pods. Ninety uh, percent of our sponsor money was coming directly from Automatic to help us pay for development time and maintenance work. Uh, that includes support as well, like keeping our WordPress.org forums in in play. Uh, we have a Slack, which is almost like premium support in a way. It's like live, like someone has a pods issue, they go to our Slack and it's like, hey, hi, you're talking to the developer right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, it, I mean, it's just amazing that, that we were able to do it for as long as we could. But honestly, I don't blame Automatic. I mean, it, we needed to go to the next place for us. And um they just wanted to focus on Gutenberg. And uh, like you said, pods is so much more than Gutenberg. And and honestly, a lot of people that use pods um kind of resist Gutenberg in ways. Uh, and that's the new block editor. So if you go into WordPress and right. you install it right now, that's the editor you see for posts and pages. So it's like this visual interface. Mm. But when you're thinking about pods and, and data entry, Uh, Where it's not so much about visual, and you don't really want people to be able to customize the visual aspects of it, uh, and you don't want to like manage it all in the views themselves, like in the block editor, you want to manage it all in the theme itself. Then that kind of interface is not so magical all of a sudden. So a lot of people install Hmm. the classic editor plugin to come back to the way it was, and it's a lot easier to manage and to rely on, and you've got your meta boxes and your fields in it, and all that stuff. So we intend to continue to push Gutenberg forward in ways that kind of fuse that, that gap. But um, honestly, we just couldn't convince automatic that we could do it um, and, and continue to focus uh, solely on Gutenberg. We really want to be able Mm. to do a lot more than just Gutenberg and a lot more than just editing. We we have so much more in our repertoire and um, we've had some ups and downs in our, our release cycles. And sometimes we have lots of releases and sometimes we have just a few, and this last year was kind of a, a bumpy one for us and our team uh, uh, had some conflicts with uh, some team members and uh, just we couldn't get everything pushed forward. And we brought some new people up on board and, and they're working hard, but uh, it's just not uh, progressing as fast as we want to because things changed rapidly as soon as we heard about automatic um dropping funding so we've kind of had to kind of rush around to figure out okay what's our real priority here with the money we have left and how can we generate new buzz and that was our um our friends of pods program where people can donate
1: is that oh i was gonna ask how um if automatic isn't supporting you anymore how are if people wanted to support you how would they do that
2: yeah so our friends of pods program is is like basically if you've ever listened to public radio and you uh uh, become a member today. Uh, uh, <laughs> you could uh, help that radio station stay alive. I mean, I listen to music in public radio. Um, I listen to news from public radio, and I used to work if in I public want radio it to keep going. I want I want to support <laughs> it. Like one day, if I can afford it, I want to support it really well. And um, well, if you're building projects with WordPress and you're using plugins out there that are free and you're making money building these projects for customers or your customers are making money because they've got a really kick butt project uh, built on on WordPress maybe you should start thinking about how can you help fund those free plugins in ways that they're not like outright asking you for like do you see a donate link somewhere go donate once a year To at least just pick one, you know, pick one of your free plugins and go donate five bucks, ten bucks. I mean, the don't we have 63 donors right now uh, for pods, and our goal is to hit 200 in the next uh, year or so to get to the point where we feel comfortable long term without automatic. Um, Otherwise, we have to look at other avenues like premium add ons and stuff like that. And we're exploring right now, like a premium add on that's just available for people who are donors. To pods, so we're hoping that, that helps bring some more donors into into the mix there. But that's um, that's something that we have to think about now that we don't have the sponsor funding just already there. We have to start focusing on that alongside of maintaining the plugin, uh, keeping support going, and <laughs> all these other things. We also have to maintain uh, fundraising ability, and so that's that's been interesting for me because I'm still working full time. <laughs>
0: So if you go, it's friends.pods.io is the Mm -hmm. site. If you go there, you can check out how to sign up and and do all that. There are incentives to this as well, um, which I thought were pretty neat. So one, and the first one is, I think, a really classic one. Donate your your five bucks a month or whatever it is, um, and you get a vote on feature priority. Yeah. that I mean, that's kind of killer unto itself because... The people, you know, if it, it, as long as it's worth something to you, it means you have a voice in, Hey, I'm using this plugin for these things. And it's like, I, I would like to see this in it. That's how you're, you know, the cream rises, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah.
2: well, especially th- now like automatics, no longer the main funding, the friends are the funders yeah, and, um, the friends are going to call the shots from now on. Uh, right. And that may not been able to be possible before. Cause we were kind of landlocked there. We couldn't, Uh, offer premium add-ons or anything like that we couldn't offer um, any upsells or um, like publicly say we'll build features for you if you give us money Uh, so like now we can do that we're not tied by that contract for the sponsorship now we can kind of try to explore what we can do
0: here yeah Um, the other thing is that you've got partnerships with a bunch of vendors right like I I started looking at the list, and the list was incredibly long. There were host, uh, web hosts, plugin vendors, themes, uh, you know, like backup services, and all of this. That if you end up backing it, I think your silver or, or uh, gold level, right? You get certain perks out of that pile that can save you money. So you spend a little bit of money on pods, but you can save money then on your hosting service with WP Engine or something like that.
2: Yeah. I mean that that was uh it's it's again like the public radio thing where you know you donate this you get a tote bag. I mean maybe you don't want the tote bag but uh, <laughs> uh I mean in my case I don't need a tote bag but uh I would just ask for them not to send me the tote bag. But in a lot of cases some of these <laughs> things here like these rewards like Codable having discounts or uh fresh books like just these little discounts here and there. I mean could if you're considering about to get service from these things. And you're like, well, I want to support pods. Well, I could
0: actually support pods and get some rewards from it. So. And to your point about, you know, find, you know, once a year, find something you use and go support it or, or find a way to, you know, do that, click the uh, buy them a coffee button or whatever. Uh, the other easy way to do this is especially if you're a freelancer or working at a small agency or something like that pad your bid by an extra $10 and Please, $10. you don't even have, it doesn't have to come out of your pocket. Then have the client add another $10 onto that payment and pass that along. You know, if you're bidding out of, you know, 5,000 bucks to build a website that extra 10 bucks out of that isn't going to make any difference to you or the client, but it could make a heck of a difference to all of these developers out there that um advertise or not advertise uh, volunteer their time. Um I know GitHub I think and I don't know if you guys have looked at this Scott um but I know GitHub is starting like a you know a Patreon kind of yeah model we're, where you can support developers.
2: Yeah, we're we're a part of the program right now. Oh, cool. uh, I'm still setting up that for pods right now to determine if that's like a viable thing. We kind of like the friends setup right now. Yeah. So like right now I just if you go to to GitHub for our pods you'll see sponsor link there you can click it and it'll take you right to our friend site so that's pretty nice uh but maybe there's some cool stuff in there we haven't yet determined if we're
0: going to use that part let me ask the the big final question to all of this what's next <laughs> what what's, is what, next? what's on the horizon for pods what's your next big target that uh you hope to hit Friends, Uh, you tell me. No, uh,
2: no. Uh, I have a lot of ideas. I have tons and tons of ideas. Um, However, the most important thing is getting the next release out. And so our next release is all about groups. Uh, It's kind of like ACF. So we're like bringing ACF kind of into pods in a way like you can create new groups of content and manage rules of visibility and stuff like that. And,
1: what do you mean groups? Uh,
2: so groups of fields. Right now, you if you add fields to your pods, oh, okay. your custom fields, okay. they're just in one group. And with PHP, you can make it part of multiple groups, but uh, we're going to support that natively in our UI. So uh, Cool. I mean, we're, we're expanding the UI quite a bit. We're actually rewriting it in React right now. Uh, which has mm-hmm. a really um, cool component there, which allows us to do some really cool stuff that then can flow over to Gutenberg at it's some point. Brings
0: you a step closer to Gutenberg. I, I knew yeah. exactly where that was going. <laughs> yeah, so
2: there's a lot of work done uh, to be done there. And we just recently brought another developer into the mix a couple of months ago, uh, right when we found out we were going to lose funding. So we had to pause it until we figured everything out. And then, But the goal for us is to get this release out um, and continue to build really awesome features for pods now that may be free add-ons it may be um add-ons that are available for our friends exclusively like we have a special slack channel just for our friends the donors who donate um and uh do recurring donations which are the best friends really because they (laughs) they donate either monthly or yearly uh and that's pretty awesome like five bucks even a year is, is is awesome it helps us uh it doesn't even have to be to us. Donate five bucks to, to someone else too. You know, Do what you can everywhere. But um, that is our next goal is get this release out and continue to fundraise through new cool features for the plugin to bring people in. So that we have a lot of cool things built into our roadmap right now for the next versions in the future. But um, focus right now is all about how can we increase our longevity right now.
0: Hmm. awesome dude thanks for sitting down with us and talking about this um, we're going to take just a couple minutes here and get a word from our sponsors in and then we will come back and say bye bye and do all of those things the drunken ux podcast is brought to you by our friends at new Cloud. NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at nucloud.com slash drunkenUX. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenux. Scott, man, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us and talk about this. I'm really excited, actually, about what's coming for Pods. Um, I'm enthusiastic that we can maybe, through this episode, help find maybe a couple more backers for the Friends program. Um, maybe one or two of them is on the show as, as we speak. <laughs> um, man, <laughs> Wait, did we, did we say the URL? Um,
1: it's friends.pods. friends.pods.io.
0: Um We will have a link in the show notes as well to that to make sure that folks know how to find that. Um, Scott, take a, a second. The microphone is yours. Tell folks where they can find you, what you got going on, or anything else that you want them to know about you.
2: All right. I'm going to take that literally. It is my, my microphone, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but really, uh, I. it's not really about me. It's about everyone. Uh, WordPress is an open source community platform. And all of us work really hard to build really cool things with it. There's lots of free plugins out there, premium plugins. Sure. But lots of free plugins out there that all, all, all need some little bit of help. So even if you don't, you know, donate to pods, um, you know, help out with some code for someone else. Pay it forward is, is, is my biggest mantra of my life is do something because you think that it could make a difference. And if, if, they see that and they think that they could do something too, just because they see that you've done it. Maybe that can continue the snowball effect. Maybe more people will help out. And it's not again about pods. It's all about everyone. We're all here. Part of the WordPress uh, community. And, and sure. The w- word WordPress uh, is a big part of some of our lives. Some of us are using type type three or whatever. Uh, still, so, uh, but, uh, totally uh, my website is pods.io uh well not mine but the project website and uh we're a small team but we also have lots of contributors who do prs and uh i i mean i could give you my website and my twitter but it's not about me i think uh i'd like like people to focus on pods because <laughs> i don't i don't need any more time i'm i just love people to give pods some time
0: awesome everybody thanks for tuning in this week uh as always you can find us on twitter or facebook at slash drunken UX. If you want to join us on Slack, it's drunkenuX.com slash Slack. Or check us out on Instagram. We like sharing what we're drinking or what's coming up or show announcements or little snippets from behind the scenes there. It's Instagram.com slash drunken UX podcast. Little twist on the name, but still very easy to find. <laughs> it's not my fault. Somebody else <laughs> has our, our the name I want, and it, I guess it wasn't mine. Somebody had my name, and usually Feenan. That's Feenan is an easy one. I, I'm Feenan on Twitter. I'm Feenan on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the places. Instagram, Feenan was gone. So I I got to look at this first. They have, like, no posts. It's just somebody squatting on the account. It's It makes me sad. Why is all the squatters got enough I don't know. Um, folks, if you feel so inclined, take a second, drop into iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Drop us a rating or review, hit the like button, do whatever. Helps us out. It only takes a second of your time. If you feel so inclined, leave us a review. That's even better, but I'm not going to beg you. All I'm going to tell you is that there's one piece of advice that helps you out day in, day out, whether you're a designer, a developer, a UX professional, whatever the case. And that is, keep your personas close. But folks, your users closer. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. I said bye. i